Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome to Mav Sports Take, your weekly podcast for sports, business, and a whole lot more. Here we tackle the business of all the news you hear about in the sports world specifically, but, you know, we kind of have a wider scope of the world in general and a lot of the news that you do not hear about. We're here to give you the nitty-gritty, the inside look at everything you need to know. Tonight, David Turner and myself, we'll be welcoming on former De La Salle high school football coach and golf coach, Terry Edson. We are also launching our new segment tonight. We have the Secret Sauce segment. We have Storytime with Uncle Dave. We are bringing Kirkland Corner with the show's dear friend multiple times. I think the third time now that we've had him on, he is the record holder, James Kirkland, for NFL executive and University of Illinois Director of Player Personnel. David Turner, how are we tonight, my friend? Dude, I am so pumped to have Coach Edson on, one of my my high school coaches, and he's still at De La Salle High School, living the uh, LaSallean motto and way to bring, uh, bring him on, talk about his career, the players he's coached, the uh, influences he's had on so many young men's lives like myself. And, uh, you know, it's just a way to highlight and give back a little bit to this program that's this uh, way of thinking, way of life that they've given me. So I can't wait to have him. And like you said, one of my better friends, James Kirkland, we create in the Kirkland corner where he's going to come on. He picks a topic. He wants to talk about it. The mic, the floor is his, and we're just chiming in on whatever he wants to say. So I'm really excited about him being a recurring uh, guest for us. And like you said, he's now the record holder at three time, the three time guest here on Mass Sports Take. Absolutely. And I, I can't wait to get Coach Edson on in a couple seconds here because he gets to tell me stories about the young David Turner, the man, <laughs> the myth, the legend, the young man that is the 18-year scouting vet across the CFL, NFL, and three straight Arena League championships with the Arizona Rattlers. Can't wait to get in the inside scope into what makes David Turner tick and what makes, of course, De La Salle High School, which if you are not a high school football fan or a, a recruiting fan or whatever, or just a historical fan, you are missing out on what is arguably the greatest high school football program of all time. I mean, they made a movie about it. It's that intense, obviously. But before we get started here, as the world starts to open back up and workers return to the office place, are you looking how to improve team dynamics? Maverick Sports Consulting is here to help you welcome your employees back to the workplace with some team building exercises. We will bring your company back together in an energetic way way that will motivate them to work together in person again. We are excited to help you welcome back your company to the in-person work environment. Sign up at maverick-sportsconsulting.com today. So excited again, bring on Coach Terry Edson. Before we do, we want to say thank you to everybody that's out there in the Twitterverse, the YouTube world, or Facebook land. I don't know if that's a thing, but we thank you so much for all the live viewers 
if there are any questions for myself, David Turner, or any of, of our outstanding guests on this show at, at any time, please throw it into the chat. Say hello. We appreciate the hellos. Without further ado, though, going to bring on Coach Terry Edson again to the show. First time on the show with us, of course, De La Salle High School former coach. Has coached players such as TJ Ward, Maurice Jones-Drew, Kevin Simon, Matt Gutierrez, DJ Williams, Doug Bryan, David uh, Laverne, Derek Landry, Notre Dame great, Amani Toomer, Aaron Taylor, Notre Dame great, Demetrius Williams, Austin Hooper, a long list. Coach, we appreciate you for joining us tonight. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. We're in Arizona weather here in a couple of days. It's going to be 109 in about two days. So, uh, Yeah, I saw that. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, we're down here looking at 117 all week. But when I saw that, I was like, good Lord, what is going on in, up there in Concord? I was like, I can't believe 109s are dropping. I know. That's why I'm playing golf at 630 in the morning on Thursday before it hits. <laughs> smart man. He's always been a smart man. Coach, I'm excited not only again to get kind of the – the inside scoop on a young David, but also, of course, the experiences that you have part of one of the great high school football programs. So I want to start out with De La Salle High School. I want you to talk a little bit just for the viewers out there. What made the program special? What made you stay committed to that program for so long? And what made just that place such a special spot for you? Well, um, First of all, you know, all the props definitely got to go to the athletes for uh, the time and commitment and the work ethic that they put into our program year in, year out. I I know a lot of athletes, especially I'm just speaking, you know, around our area here in in the Bay Area. They always talked about, well, every all the athletes work hard, but we've had plenty of kids from different schools, friends of our players come to our workouts and uh, they don't even make it halfway through our workout. And they're, you know, playing football for other teams. We've had kids transfer in in the summer, come to one workout, transfer out the next day. So, uh, you know, the, the kids, the, the work ethic they put into, you know, uh, with their conditioning and, and the track that we with out, out there in the summer heat and then the weightlifting and then um, – the commitment they just had to each other, the brotherhood that was developed because they were all in for each other. Nobody cut corners. You know, the kids held each I think the, the greatest strength we had as a football team and for any high school coach, to, you know, the, the best thing you can do is get your players to buy in and get them to be accountable to one another. There's only so much an adult can do to a high school kid <laughs> and say to a high school, uh, a boy, especially I had two girls. That was easy, but I dealt, I've been dealing with high school boys for 39 years. And the trick is if you can get the boys to buy in uh, to each other and hold each other accountable, then you're really in business uh, with starting, you know, having a great program. And we were able to do that. I mean, all the guys that you mentioned, that had great uh, high school careers, college careers, and some of them great pro careers. They're always our best leaders. They were um, the kind of guys that wouldn't be afraid to call out their friends and make them, you know, tell them to work harder. And that's been the strength of our program forever. And it, it's still going on today. Uh, and our ability, and then our ability just to get the, as coaches. To, I think to get the most out of these players, but the fact that they're already bought in and being accountable one another, 
um, that made it so much easier for us. It just can't be done if the players don't buy in. And we've had kids, you know, I've been there on the varsity for 30, I was there for 36 years. And for 36 years, those kids bought in and it, and there, there's no doubt about that was a big part of it. And, and the fact, you know, our coaching staff stayed together for the longest time. I mean, coach Ladd and myself coached together for over 35 years. Um, our assistant coaches were there for over 20 years. So stability in the, in the, on the staff. And we were all on the same page. David will tell you that, you know, there wasn't, all the coaches were always on the same page and what with the commitment we wanted from the kids and what we expected out there on the field. And I felt, you know, we, we were not easy on those kids, but we were fair. And I think that made a big difference. And I can attest to that. It was, it, it wasn't like you went to a different coach and got a different answer. I mean, the answer was all the same, no matter which coach you went to, there wasn't like an easy one on the staff. So it was just like, okay, well, it doesn't matter what we're going to ask. It's going to be get back out there and, you know, do your job. So <laughs> with decades, like you're saying, coach, I mean, you were there 39 years, or you've been with the Dilla South for 39 years and coaching the varsity level for 36 of them, decades of experience um, and assisting a lot of athletes as Ryan read off many of them that went to D1 programs. What's a bit of advice that our parents, our players, our athletes that are listening in tonight should really take with them as they go into the recruiting process, be prepared for and be ready to um, kind of answer questions or the situations that you found that they weren't ready for? Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question. I think the first thing, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example of, uh, just kind of give you an example of how this worked. My nephew who played, uh, graduated in 98, uh, he wasn't a D1 athlete, but he was being recruited by by the Ivy League schools. And he was a smart kid, and he ended up playing and going to Brown. But he wanted to go to Princeton. And he goes, hey, you know, the Princeton coach is uh, coming by tonight. You know, I go, hey, can I can I come by just to see what's going on at Princeton? Because I thought that'd be a great fit for him. And so we got in the room, and the, and the coach was talking to, uh, you know, his, my brother and his, uh, my sister-in-law, and he was in the room and, you know, got off the pleasantries and all that. And so the first question I asked him, I said, Coach, where, where does he fit in Princeton's plans? And by the time he was done, he, was, he understood that he wasn't, you know, he was on the third tier. So they're recruiting him, but he wasn't, you know, the first guy in. And, you know, and it was looked like, and as the night was over, my nephew was kind of depressed because, like, <laughs> no, it looks like I'm not going to Princeton, you know. But the thing is, I think you have to be upfront with coaches. And I think, you know, you have to ask them. You know, are you recruiting them? I think the first question any parent or or even the – then I think – it's important too that the athletes speak for themselves as well, that the parents just don't take over the situation. So I'd like to see as part of the, the maturation process that the athletes, you know, are talking to the coach and, and asking him questions as much as possible. But I mean, obviously he's still a kid, but one question has got to be asked, are you offering me a scholarship? You know, a lot, a lot of people don't ask that question. They're saying I'm being recruited by this school, but being recruited and then be, uh, being offered a scholarship are completely different ball games, and so you need to be upfront and, and ask them. You know what? What's the process? Are you going to offer me? Is there a scholarship? Do you have a scholarship for me? And find out. Then you'll know what's up with that college. We'll see how much they really want you. Are they just 
having you on the back burner just in case, you know, X, Y, and Z fall through. And then, you know, you're on that tour, like, well, if everybody else says no, then, you know, then, you know, we're going to ask you. So you kind of need to know what they're, what they're, what they're offering, what they're thinking. And uh, because they'll tell you, they'll tell you what you want to hear. I mean, it's a business, right? You're trying to get as many athletes as possible thinking about your school and you don't want anybody to drop out. So, you know, I think it's important. I think honesty is always the most important thing. And if you're not interested in that school, you need to tell them, you know, uh, I'm not, this is not a place I'm thinking of going. I'm not really interested in, in going to your school so that he can move on to the next athlete. I think that's the other side of it as well. No, I think that's a great question about saying, what's your plan for me? Because if they have a plan for you, obviously you've been in the room, you've talked, they've talked your name in the room and developed an idea of what they're going to do with you when you get on campus. But you know, when they don't and you hear the, um, uh, well, uh, <laughs> you're just like, okay. So they really no, I, don't know what they're going to do with me. They don't know what they're going to do. That. I think another thing that's really important too, uh, that what you guys have been asking about, you know, I think that's real important is that I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just being honest about it. It's just the, the, the business of college athletics, right? If you don't go to a school because of a coach, I mean, you just can't do that in these, this day and age. You got to go to school because number one, you want to live there for four or five years. I mean, you like the area, you like the weather. I don't know how many times kids come back and go, uh, you know, I didn't know it was going to be so cold. Didn't we tell you that it's going to snow for four months? I mean, what do you mean you didn't know it was going to be that cold? Or they go up to Oregon. I didn't know it was going to rain that much. I told you it's going to rain almost every day. What do you mean? Uh, I mean, you know, just so you're aware of what where you're going to be living and what the situation is going to be like. But do you like the school? Do you like, you know, you go on campus. Do you like the vibe there? I mean, it's hard to pick up, you know, how a school is in two days and they're going to do it, you know, it's recruiting. So they're going to take it all the fun things and all that. But, uh, you know, I think you have a conversation with a non-athlete. Just talk to students. If you're, if you're with your parents and you're walking on campus, what do you like about this school? What don't you like about this school? I mean, just don't talk to the athletes because, you know, they're going to have a, they're going to have one, they're trying to recruit and the coaches have told them whoever they, had theirs, their host, you know, they're not going to tell you probably a lot of negative things. They might, which would be helpful, but the chances are they won't. So ask the student body and see if you like what's going on there. I think that's the most important thing. You just can't go because, you know, there's very few coaches. You know, if I had to off the top of my head, um, you know, I Dabo Sweeney is going to be a Clemson. Okay. I, I'm pretty confident he'll be there. Although, the NFL could call for him. Nick Saban's probably going to stay at Alabama. He's got a great contract. He's been in the NFL. Outside of that, I can't guarantee a lot of coaches are going to still be. I just, you just never know in this world. So you just can't go because, oh, I love this coach. It's like he might move on. So you better love the school and you better love the program and you better love where you're living. I think that's important. that's a great point you were making. And also, what we found in our program history that we've done here, uh, it's our 44th show is that one thing with COVID hit, a lot of the players weren't allowed to take trips to the right. campus. So they're making commitments yep. off of virtual visits. Which is crazy. Like you, you, you're yeah. not even, you didn't even get a chance to step on campus. And like you said, ask those questions, 
just feel the environment, right? Like the, a guy from California didn't go to go ch- get a chance to go up to Ann Arbor in Michigan, right? And kind of feel the cold breeze that's going to be blowing. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So the learnings we have, I think, an advantage, not an, uh, you know, it's not like an advantage, but one the good thing is when you've been in education for 39 years, mm-hmm. if a kid wants to go somewhere, we probably know someone that's gone to that school and, you know, we can hook them up with a, a conversation with someone. I mean, our kids have been throughout, you know, and I'm just talking about our athletes, you know, we've been, I've been in the classroom for 39 years too. So we know where kids are everywhere, you know, they've gone everywhere across the United States. So you know, like the vert, like the COVID thing, we, you know, we talk to kids, you know, Hey, we can, I did that even in my classroom. Uh, there are kids that like uh kid was one thinking about Boston college. I go, Hey, one of my golfers is at Boston college. You want me to, you know, you want to FaceTime them? Do you want to talk to them? I mean, it's find out what's going on. I mean, that's the nice thing. You know, we've networked now, got a good network at Delso over the years. So they're able to help kids out with that situation as well. Cause what else are you going to do with COVID? You need, you're right. It's virtual. What are you going to do? Right. Not many, not many options. I, I know coach, I wanted to really kind of dig into with the coaching experience. I know that you talked a little bit about, you know, how the consistency that the program has had is because so many kids bought in, but I want to ask a little bit with your experience as a football and a golf coach, what would you say is the most difficult part to get the best out of players and to, fully under like to, to set a path for what the ultimate development is for them? Uh, I think the hardest thing is, you know, is uh, getting them to understand, like we, we always tell them, you know, if his name was John Smith, you know, a uh, John, it's not city of John population of one, you know, that you're on a team and with social media and we keep track of our kids, social media accounts. I mean, Trying to build a team when there's so much, you know, me, you know, the, the age of the selfie, as I like to say, you know, it's like, what do I care that you're at IHOP eating pancakes right now, you know, but just with the social media and Instagram, there's so much focus on themselves, getting them to buy into a team concept. And the and this is really difficult in today's sports environment, you know, and you see it happening in college. Look at the the transfer portal after every season. I mean, it's getting uh, just larger and larger because I'm not starting. I'm moving on. It's about me. It, it's you know, it's it's not about the team. It's not about you know the fact if we won you know a big game, thirty five to seven. You only, you know your receiver you only had one catch. Uh, that, you know, and then, you know, we don't have kids that get upset about that because they're happy with the team one, but we don't, I'm finding more and more that that just makes a bunch of disgruntled. I mean, a lot of other programs are getting a lot of disgruntled players because I'm not getting my touches. I'm not scoring, you know, at our school, we, you know, we're still blessed. You know, if a kid has one catch, but made nine blocks, that's a big deal for us. And there's a lot of pride within our program about the, the types of the little things that I like to say that go on. And we make a big deal about that as coaches. And we're very good at, at seeing that on film and letting kids know how important this, this kid's contribution was. He only had one catch, but he might have swung three guys for touchdowns and understanding that. And our players understand that. So we've been very good to embody that, that team concept. It's difficult in this day and age because there's so much about kids thinking about themselves. I mean, it, and it's not, it's just what social media does. I'm not blaming 
kids. I'm not like being grandpa and saying, God dang it, my age, uh, <laughs> you know, it never happened. I mean, it's just, it is what, it, I mean, if that's close to me and I was growing up, we'd be doing the same thing. So it's oh, not I tell the all the time. If I, I mean, if, can you imagine our crew? The way we were, if we had social media, there's oh, no I, way. I know. I mean, I'll just say, you know, it's just a, the, it's just trying to, to work with that and getting kids in, into a team concept. And I think the best thing we've done is it's because it's a tradition at Delisal. Parents get on board as well, which is really difficult in today's high school environment. But we have found... You know, there's always situations, but we, we're just, it's it, the community of De La Salle, and, and that's part of it too. It's just our school community uh, built, you know, we, our motto is, you know, enter to learn, leave to serve. So that, that concept of brotherhood and service to one another, it permeates throughout the whole campus. So that makes our jobs as coaches so much easier. Yeah, it really does. I mean, as a product of that environment, you know, it's something I've always carried with my myself through everything I've done through college, through my sports career, through everything else. I mean, I mean, from powerlifting all the way through, I learned how to powerlift at De La Salle in the weight room and the hot <laughs> weight room. And then I went on and won national championships in college because of what I learned there. And I still go back to those teachings of the form of the snatch and the, you know, clean and the jerk and all that stuff that but it all started there with a broomstick when i was a sophomore you know what i mean right. So. No, right. that's what i said the little things right yeah, yeah no and like i think you. you know what david just said ryan is true I, you know if you talk to our graduates i think uh and that's probably been the most gratifying thing as a coach but it's not the you know the victories i'm not gonna lie i'm a competitive person I, I you know i like to win but really when it comes down to it the gratifying thing is hearing graduates like david talk about I'm still applying those lessons I, I learned, you know, from the team and from football today and how much it meant to me and how it helped me shape the person I am today. That is super gratifying. And I think David can uh, attest to this. There's a lot of graduates that will say that about going to that school. Oh, that, absolutely. That's, not a, every that's single... not only coaching. That's education in general, right, yeah. Coach? Like, I, right. I get into yeah. Every single one of my teammates that I still talk to and everybody that I've ever run into that just went to De La Salle. Like when I, you know, I'm on the Raiders as a scout and MJD is, you know, coming out of UCLA <laughs> and I'm talking to him and we sound like brothers. They're like, when, how do you know this guy? I'm like, well, we're De La Salle. We're both Spartans. Like yeah. it's just the way it goes. You know, I go to New York Giants and, and uh, tumors in the locker room. And, and Shockey used to get upset that we'd talk about high school football all the time. And Tuma would turn around and be like, because your okie doke high school doesn't mean anything. I don't want to hear it. You know? So, I mean, and then I run into, uh, you know, uh, um, <laughs> uh, Aaron, Aaron Taylor, you know, doing games. Oh, yeah, it's a great story. Yeah. And I, he'd be like, he was at an arena league game when I was with the Rattlers coach. And he comes up and goes, hey, how do I, I don't even know this game. They asked me to do it last minute. Coach me up. And I'm like, Aaron, how the hell did you get here? Like, you know how much bigger he is than me. And all of a yeah. sudden, I just, I'm like looking up, and it's Aaron. I got to coach him up on the sideline to get him ready to do the broadcast. But that's what we do. I mean, you, you know, Spartans help Spartans. This is the way it goes. Right. You know, but I will say this, Coach. I mean, you know, with all the national attention, especially around the 151 win streak, you know, and and all that, I, I imagine you've, you got approached by NC2A colleges and different programs to come coach from. What kept you at De La Salle for so long? Well, yeah. well, you know, uh, actually today, boys, is um, my 36th wedding anniversary. And I'm only oh. saying that because this will help answer the question. You know, my, my wife is um, 
owns her own dance business and she's had that for 23 years. And, you know, just like, you know, we have team uh, on the field, you know, marriage is a team in itself. And, you know, once there was a time when she was, you know, just getting out of college, when we first got married, she didn't have a, a steady job that, uh, you know, we, we bantied that around. I was like, one person I was close with was uh, Mike Riley, who was then the coach of uh, Oregon State. And I had a good relation with him and another another man named Mike Bradison, God rest his soul, that coached at uh, Nevada Reno and was at Cal at some times. And so there are some coaches that I had good relationship with. I kind of discussed thinking about that. But once my wife started her own dance business and started rolling with her uh, her uh, her studio, at that point, it was like, you know what, my job's more important than yours, so I'm going to uproot all that you've done, and, and we're going to go somewhere else, and now we're going to live, the, I mean, let's face it, you're going to live the life of a vagabond, you're going to be moving around the country if you're going to go that route, and um, I think the best story was, uh, the best story I could tell you that kind of is a microcosm of everything, my daughter was, um, I had one daughter six years old, my other daughter was three, and we just played... Um, um, uh, the uh, St. Louis of Honolulu. We just played that big game with them. I think it was with Maurice, you know, getting national game on national TV. It was a big game and big, big deal in Hawaii in front of like 25,000 in Aloha Stadium. So we won that game and then um, a, a coaching job and the athletic director job opened up and they called me and said, you know, would you be interested in coming here and all that? And so uh, and at this point, both my daughters were dancing at my wife's studio and we sat down and I said, well, what do you, you I go, you guys, because they'd actually been to Hawaii once at that point. And I said, you guys been to Hawaii? It's kind of, it's nice there and all that. And I go, so daddy got offered a job uh, in Hawaii. And uh, what do you guys think about that? And they said, well, when will we see you? <laughs> I said, no, you'd be coming with me. And it's like, you know, yeah, you're right, honey. That's a bad idea. But, you know, that the, the college, I'll tell you what the college coaches say to me all the time, Dave. They say it all the time. Coach, you got a good, you got a good gig here. Don't leave. And uh, I always listened to them when they said that, you know, and we've had some guys like Tosh Lupoy having a great career. Brian Callahan, uh, Nick Holtz, they're all there in the pros. And those guys, have, have, they're having great careers in the pros in college, and it's good for them. But I think at the end of the day, my heart and soul is with uh, teenage boys coaching high school football and, and teaching religious studies at De La Salle. And I have not looked back one time and said, oh, that was the wrong decision. It was, it was for me, and I, you know, that's just me. And I was just Coach Ladd. We were happy where we were, we're happy working with each other. And if you're happy, I, why mess with it? You know, I mean, I, some people might say, ah, oh, you got yourself short and, and that's great, you know, but everyone's got to go their own path and their own journey. And that's the path we took. That's fantastic. I, coach, I, I know you've been so gracious with all your time tonight. The last thing I want to ask you, I wanted to start this out with this, but we're going to end with it instead. I need your best, and I hope you have one. If you don't, uh, well, maybe we'll talk about the you know the first time you met him. But I want the most embarrassing, or best, or funny, or whatever, <laughs> David Turner story. I need something. Okay, funny. you know, you know when David Turner graduated, right? 
I don't actually. What was it? What was it, Dave? Probably before me. Ryan was born. Nah, that's not true. <laughs> what was it? Hopefully not. Well, well, well I mean, the the part, the thing is, poor David was he was injured his whole senior year. Yeah. So he wasn't able to play. So I'm not going to embarrass him, but I'm going to compliment him. One thing about David, though, and this is what is a delicate moment. You know, when you're injured, and that's disappointing as it is, not being able to play. And uh, he tried getting out there. You know, I think he went out there one time and probably just couldn't. He could, I think was, I couldn't remember. Was it your knee or? Yep, knee uh, meniscus tear. Just yeah, see, that's a good memory, Ryan, right there. Remember yeah, it was a great injury. memory. Yeah, yeah. That was good. I should get some props for that, okay? Absolutely. I'll give you all the props. I'm One thing about David that, you know, he never left his teammates. He was always out there, always encouraging guys, always always on, on the field. You know, a lot of guys get injured and all of a sudden, you know, you don't you, you might see him on game night, show up for the game, but you don't see him during the week. That wasn't him. He was always out there, always willing to help. Anything I can do. So, you know, I, I know that's not an embarrassing story, but that is something that I remember about him and about the green. So it makes perfect sense that, he, you know, those are the kind of guys that go on into coaching and they understand team and he understood team. And I always appreciate him for that. Oh, that's fantastic. I think that's a great way to end. David, you got off the hook. Coach was I so did. I was, I was start when you said you were going to ask that question, I started going through the Rolodex like, oh, <laughs> no. I never embarrass the Spartan live on, on, on anything. Okay. Just, just not going to happen. Now off the record, we might come up with something. Like <laughs> All yeah. right. So we'll, we'll, talk, we'll, talk, we'll talk after the, we'll talk after the, after the show that coach, we appreciate you again so much. Terry Edson taking some time here. De La Salle, great. On his anniversary. Coach. Happy anniversary. On his anniversary. Happy anniversary. Yeah. We have to push that on the way out as well. Okay, boys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks Absolutely. coach. We'll have Thanks, you coach. again. Take care. All right. No problem. I'll see you guys. All right, so uh, something about De La Salle greats, right, David? I mean, uh, man, you guys, I could feel the energy, man. I could feel the, I could feel the pride in the in the school, and I mean, very well. I mean, who could who could blame you for the uh, for the great history that that school has developed? Football players, people, all all, all kinds got, of. I think Coach Latticer's overall high school record is like three hundred and thirty three. Wins, 29 losses, and two or three like ties. And Coach Edson was there for every one of those. And like he said, Coach Ladd and him coached together for 36 years or whatever it was. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he was the special teams coordinator and he, he created a character that, you know, helped everybody want to be on special teams. There's a famous video that, you know, DJ Williams like tackles his mother. To, to make an audition tape because you had to audition to get on the special teams. You had a, you had, when we were there, it wasn't an audition because we had cameras, but we had applications. You had to fill out a special teams application. So they wow. found ways to make it special for us um, and, and, and engage us. And, and again, in special teams, it was like our kickoff team pride, starting linebackers would compete to be on that damn kickoff team. Like that was like, I, and and it wasn't like you were like L five. I mean, you were in the middle. You were a wedge buster. This is back when there were wedges. If Not you were cracker. a middle linebacker and you weren't a wedge buster, like you were looked <laughs> down on. Like you, you know that middle linebacker spot. You had to have that wedge spot. You had to be a wedge buster. They just weren't letting you go, go away with it. And uh, you know that was a that was a sense of pride. And one thing that I'll never forget: they always used to make us make commitment cards the night before the game. Yeah. We'd get it together at someone's house. We'd eat pasta and, you know, garlic bread and we'd talk. 
and have our meetings to get our mind right night before the game. And you filled out a commitment card, but you didn't commit it to the coach. You committed it to one of your teammates. And you, you said, hold me accountable. And every one of our teammates at halftime would pull those cards out and say, hey, how many tackles do you have? Are you even close to this commitment? Did you do what you said on punts? Did you do what you said as a receiver or a quarterback? And it held us accountable to one another. That was the thing they always made sure we understood. You know, because they'll have another team each and every year. It's our chapter to write this year. It's our chapter to write here in 94 when we graduated that 93 football season. That was our chapter. We were the seniors. And we were not going to let the, the the history books reflect poorly on us. And that's how every senior class approaches it. It's like, and that's what brings up the, you know, the lucky juniors that get to play on varsity, the couple sophomores that get to play on varsity. It's like, you're not going to screw it up, kid. It's my chapter. And when he talks about it, even till this day, I can get all fired up about it. And, you know, if you get me and my teammates sitting around with a couple of beers, I mean, you will see how, how fired up we get about it because we protect that. And um, we protect Dillashaw like he did with me tonight. He didn't give me the he didn't give the stories out too much. So. Uh, I let him, I, man. I gave him a chance to put the hammer down on you, David. And he, you did, he, and he so did. Nice. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, well, hopefully, I can get our good friend James Kirkland to come on here and spill some good uh, David Turner. Maybe I'll get him to stick around for a uh, story time with Uncle Dave. Maybe he'll give me a David Turner story. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, before we get into it. Tonight, we want to tell you that at Maverick Sports Consulting, we would like to say that if you're a college looking to improve your recruiting department to maximize the transfer portal, high school recruiting, and junior college transfers to turn your program around quickly, David has 19 years of personnel experience, 10 years NFL experience managing college scouting departments, as well as pro personnel departments. Today, with the transfer portal the way it is, especially Mavericks is primed and ready to work with your existing staff and coaches to build you a recruiting department that will mirror your efforts in the coaching department. Let David and Mavericks Sports Consulting assist you building a championship team in 2021. So we're bringing them on now, Mr. James Kirkland. Of course, David, like I said, former NFL executive and University of Illinois Director of Players Personnel. James, we were talking before we started, and you are now the record holder again. I think you were our first repeat, but now you're the first person to be on here three times. Okay. All right, I can get my three-peat on for the uh, for the 44th episode. You know what I'm saying? I think I think that means that you have the you have the third seat in the podcast every week now, James. I think that's what that means. <laughs> wow. Well, it would be my pleasure, James. <laughs> How y'all doing? It is definitely our pleasure to host you big time. And oh, man. We're so excited to have you as a reoccurring guest now. We set it up. Kirkland's Corner. It's like I like I when we let in, I told everybody it's what you want to talk about. You're bringing it to the table. It, whether it doesn't matter if it's football, if it's social justice, if it's, uh, you know, you didn't like the pancakes at IHOP this morning, whatever it is, James is bringing it. And Ryan and I, we're just we're just weighing in on it. You know, it's, it's funny you bring that up. Went to the Cracker Barrel this morning, <laughs> had the pancakes. You know, they deliver the pancakes with the warm syrup. Yeah, it's a, it's a special it's a special experience. And what I noticed with their pancakes, they're actually better on the edges than they are in the middle. So are they, they're too soft in the middle. Uh, you know, I, they're just not as good as the edges. The edges are kind of <laughs> crispy. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, the, the edges are too crispy, and then the middles is too soft. No, nah, see, I usually like my middle a little soft. I usually yeah, do. But yeah. I, I think today I just ran out of tummy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was just, it was just way too much pancakes for me, but. They were really good and warm. Hey, you syrup. can always call the reliever in. I'm around. You just, you know, just, just stay. I need the righty. Bring them in. Let's go. Yeah, I need, I needed some help this morning. That's for certain. I, I but, think this conversation was destined to have James because I actually just had pancakes for dinner. I don't know if you're a, I don't know if you're a breakfast for dinner type of person, but I absolutely am. I don't know. Sometimes, 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 um, you know, when when the uh, when money gets snug, you 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 have breakfast that night. Oh, <laughs> breakfast for dinner is so good. You just make a couple of quick ups, some eggs, some bacon. You're good to go. Yeah. I mean, maybe after a night out at the club or something like that, which is something <laughs> I don't do anymore. But <laughs> you're talking but, no, uh, you're talking about war stories back in the day now. Old school, man. Old you know, school. You know. And got uh and got long in the tooth now, so I don't do too much clubbing anymore. But, no, but um, I still can talk you into it. I'm sure. I have no doubts. <laughs> I have no doubts. You you catch me out west, I might get wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. Everything everything's cool. You know the thing that um the thing that has been uh on my mind a bit lately is you know looking at you know, obviously college recruiting um, and the fact that this year the NCAA has allowed uh, institutions to actually go over the scholarship limit. Right. Which is nice. Right. Because it kind of makes up for the 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 hazards of COVID. Right. COVID kind of threw everything off. These kids, you know, they're the focus of everything. The kids, the players. They're the focus of everything. So for them to be able to get another year, that's a nice thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's it's nice until you got to be back at 85 for the 2022 season, right? So now what does that mean for recruiting, right? So I just read an article yesterday. Um it was yesterday or this morning, one of the two. But read an article. It said that commits are actually down this year over the previous two years. Um, normally, normally you have about five to six hundred kids that commit in June. This year, right around a hundred. Oh okay. wow! So oh, wow. you know, so there's 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 a very big difference between what's been going on in the past and what's happening now. Some of that is, I think, a lot of that is because of the roster management piece that's going to come into play after this season. A lot of times you don't know who's going to be on your roster, who's going to stay, who's going to leave, um, you know, not just with graduation, but also with the transfer portal. Like the, 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 the portal, I expect to swell even bigger next year. Why? Because a lot of kids had to pick their school without ever even stepping on campus, just like you talked about earlier, right? Yeah. So, if you pick your school, you've never been on campus. You don't really know these people in the building. And I know every kid who talks about where they're going, they say, you know, it, it just feels like family. You know, I talked to this coach four times in eight months, but it feels like family. Right. <laughs> so, so, so I fully expect the the portal to swell up again next year. 
um, and, and be an even bigger issue. The other thing I think you're going to see is I think you're going to see kids that are committed. Some of them may actually be pushed off the boat at the end. Right. You know, um, so what you're seeing out there, there are kids that are committing, but they're also still taking visits. So that that's always an indicator. Like, okay, I'm committed to the University of Florida. But if you look at my timeline, I went to Miami yesterday. <laughs> and, I took, and I took the pictures and, you know, I got the gear on and all of that kind of stuff. So, like, um, I just think it's I think it's it's going to be a, a very interesting time for the high school athlete. Um, we talked about this last time and I, I, I've, I've always felt like the guys that are going to lose in this whole thing with COVID and all the, the scholarship restrictions and all of that stuff is going to be the high school athlete. Now, that also means that I think you'll see some lower level teams that are able to build really good recruiting classes over the next few years. When we talked to Quentin that last time you alluded to when you were on with him, mm-hmm. you know, he was saying how though the budget, though the NC2A has given them a uh, ability to go over, the schools have set caps on how much they could if they can go over at all because every time they do a, fin- a scholarship, it's a financial burden on the institution. And now the institution themselves did not gain any money last year because a lot of these programs didn't allow fans. And again, lower institutions like a Weber state, they, they really, you know, where revenue comes from not TV money. It comes from butts and seats and not being able to have the butts and seats and have a normal season. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. a huge issue with revenue. Sustained, sustained. Um, but I still think even with that, there are going to be high school players out there that don't have a home. And there are going to be lower level schools that are going to be able to take advantage of that. Now, you they can take advantage of it already. You know, like there are a lot of kids out there that are completely overlooked and under-recruited and, and all of that. That happens anyway. But I think it's going to be even more of an issue now when people are going to have to you know, they're going to have to kind of ease off mm-hmm. of exactly who they got committed and who they think they're going to sign. They're going to have to ease off of some of those guys, number one. And then the other part of it is not just easing off of those guys, but, like, there are going to be a ton of dudes left over mm-hmm. that don't have anywhere to go. So you take that and you add the portal to it, which every coach – Look, I, you know, right or wrong, right, wrong, and different. Every coach wants an experienced player that can come in and help right away. Instant, co- instant coffee is a beautiful thing at the college level. They instant coffee is a, coffee. you know, you taught me that one, but instant <laughs> coffee is a beautiful thing to every coach. They don't want to roast it. They don't want the bean to be, they want that add water drink. It's a fabulous cup of coffee. They want, they want it right now. You know, they, look, the, the whole thought of, hey, we're going to season it. We're going to let it sit for a day. And then we're going to set the fire in the morning and put it on. No, nah, ain't none of that. They want they want instant coffee. And the portal has shown that you can get instant coffee. You can get guys that are experienced and come in and contribute right now. Well, James, let me ask you, do you think that coaches are having direct conversations? So, like, if a, let's say a player is a 
redshirt sophomore, right? Like yeah. he's he's going to be a redshirt sophomore. He's going into his third year in the system under the coaching staff, and he's expected like, hey, I'm going to compete for the starting job. And then they take a transfer, a one year guy that mm-hmm. has you know it's instant coffee, like you're saying. But do you think that those coaches are having those conversations with that kid? Because you have to feel like a kid that's been in the in the in the in the uh, on the team and in the program for a few years has to feel a little unsettled and a little I don't want to say disrespected, but like to a degree about them just p- taking the quick fix type of thing. If that makes sense. Sure. Well, I mean, the fact that they took a quick fix would tell you a little bit of something of what they're thinking, right? Sure. Sure. Um, <laughs> So to answer your question, it depends. You know, some of some of them may actually have that conversation. The other one, you know, some others, they may say, you know what? It might be better if we don't say anything and let him leave. You know, and, and that's that's tough, right? But you know, that's kind of the reality of how football works a little bit sometimes. Yeah. We just had Coach Edson, Terry Edson from De La Salle High School on right before you. I'm sure you listened in mm-hmm. on that. But yep. one of the points he made was how kids get butthurt that they, you know, they, they're not playing and they just leave because they're not used to that. You know, in high school, they were all hyped up and they were like the man on campus or one of three on, you know, depending on what school you go to. And then next thing you know, they're at college and then, you know, it didn't pan out the way they want. So now they're in the portal and they're transferring on top of other stuff. You know, I, how, how did you see coaches at that call? I've never worked at the college level. I've just walked in and, you know, been the NFL guy, but you know, and you know right. how I walk in. I Which walk is a in tough place. Guys. That's a tough guy to be in a college building. They, they're, they're, not, they're not always welcoming to an NFL guy. Yeah, that's that's what I always thought was funny. Like I'd go to Kansas and they would be like, "Well, you can do this and this and this, and then come back at three and do this." And I'm like, "You've had one player drafted in five years. You don't <laughs> not going to feed me lunch and have me sit here and hang out and like you're not going to treat me like a recruit." Okay, no, that's a yeah. good job. Treat me like an outsider because I'm sure I'll write your players up really well. Now I will say that I w- I would say college coaches are, are, are much more welcoming when you're coming in as a scout. You're coming in as a scout, they're usually, uh, you know, a lot more welcoming. But again, like in the league, coaches coach and scout scout. In college, the coaches are the scouts. So in a lot of ways, if you're coming in as an NFL scout and you're working at the college level, to them, you're kind of stepping on their toes, which in coaching is a cardinal sin. You do not want to step on a coach's toes, even if you're another coach. Don't step on another coach's toes. Yeah, I don't dance that well, so your feet are going to get all beat up. <laughs> As you know, James, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping where I'm stepping. If your foot's there, say ouch and keep it moving. Like, let's go. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think you ha- you have to learn how to play piano in a, in no, a, in a college no. building. In, in a college building, you got to be able to play some piano. Because yet another day, reason why I don't work in college. <laughs> I'm just saying, you got you, like you have to. I think at the end of the day, you have to. Ultimately, you're seeking the coach's preference, right? So you're you're wanting to get the kind of players that coaches want to coach and can do the things that they actually want to do within their scheme, right? So I, w- I would say in college, the focus was much more on outcomes than the process to the outcome. You know what I well, mean? Here's my thing. Back to what you were saying for the Kirkland's corner tonight, which is roster management. 
right? Yes. And the portal to me, it's like these college teams really, honestly, and this isn't a self-plug, it is a little bit because it's going to be self-serving. But, <laughs> but they really should be hiring pro scouts, guys like you and me, that have done pro personnel, that know how to grade and put apples to apples, oranges to oranges, and say, hey, this is the kid that, you know, what all year you guys in your meetings were bitching you didn't have. Well, here he is at Liberty. I found him at a smaller school. He just hit the portal. Let's go get him. And he'll fill that goal and know how to work with the key free agents. Now, again, it's not Mm -hmm. the same money as what we did in the NFL, so it's not as high a price. But at least it's knowing the mentality on how to attack the key free agent process and having guys like yourself, myself, you know, Ray Mm -hmm. and all our friends, you know, Blake, our friends on on staff would do nothing but help them to get because we understand how to do that. You know what I mean? It's something yeah. they've never had to do before, this portal. I mean, this portal only opened up, what, four years ago? Yeah. Well, we've been doing it for 20 yeah. years. Yeah. I Look, I would tell you, you know, uh, you know, with how things have changed over the last, I would say, five to seven years, there's no place that needs scouting as much as the college level. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why the portal is so, is so packed is because you got a lot of kids that end up at schools that they sh- they 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 shouldn't be there. Like some of these dudes are five star prospects, and you're like, why? Like this, he, he like he's not fast. He's a stiffer athlete. Like they're recruiting him to they're recruiting him to play. What? No, no, this, this isn't going to work. But a lot of times, I would tell you in college, the evaluation process is. Is not it's not as much of a focus. I mean, think about think about it like this. Nebraska, I think, I think right now Nebraska has almost four hundred offers out in the twenty twenty two class. Okay, now that seems like an awful lot of offers for a class where you can only bring in twenty five, and with the advent of the transfer portal which everybody's going to touch the transfer portal a little bit. I think Michigan State may have brought in 15 or 16 transfers this year, something like that. Yeah, it was a crazy number. It was was a big number. Now, everybody's not going to do that. But if you you add three guys from the transfer portal in a year, you need to offer 400 dudes to get 22. So what that tells me is – like, you couldn't possibly know all of those kids, number one. Number two, the question Coach Edson, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Edson or Edson? Edson. Edson. The question he asked earlier of the guy from Princeton is a very valid question. What is your plan for, for Junior? What's the plan for Junior? And... If if that if that coach walks in the house, Junior's a receiver and he's the O line coach. What's his answer going to be? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so, it's going to be it's going to be a cookie cutter answer. Unless, like I said, unless they they're like this is a top recruit, we need to make sure you you nail this one, coach. And subtle, so then subtle plug, subtle plug. Correct. Yeah. Co- correct. So so now like. I can tell you 
the the more kids you offer, the less of a grasp you have on each kid. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So now when you when you look at Stanford and you look at an entire year, they might have 80 offers out, right? Because a, a lot of kids don't qualify, right, academically. Well, because they're not offering kids that they haven't gone through the process on. Gotcha. And most of those kids, when they offer a kid, it means something. Like, we're offering you a scholarship and you can commit from from this offer, right? This is a committable offer. A lot of the offers that kids get nowadays aren't committable. A lot of those offers are just so that the school can, you know, they feel like, well, we've offered them so we can talk to them. Because a kid will tell you, like, you know, dude, I got I got 35 offers and you talking to me now? Y'all didn't offer me back then? Like, nah, I don't I don't want to talk to you guys. So the offer serves that purpose in, in a in a in a lot of situations, but you know, honestly, from from what I've seen, you can get in and talk to a kid most of the time. You from a college, you go and talk to them and you talk straight to them and tell them, hey, this is how we see you. This is what I think you can do. This is what I think you need to work on. I think you can help our football team. Kids will generally listen. Hmm. But, you know, recruiting has it. Recruiting has a life of its own, man. Like, you know, there's a timetable. The media has its hand in the cookie jar. And, you know, well, you know, they haven't offered anybody this week, so they must not be doing anything. Like, it, it, that's, that's, how recruiting is recruiting is very much about it's about narratives. It's about energy. It's about, um, what is it? What's, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, it's just, it's just, you gotta have energy around the program. You know what I mean? Propaganda, not propaganda, but close. Um, you got to have some energy around the program that makes people feel like, oh, man, they're doing a really good job in recruiting. When the real deal is you don't know what you've done in recruiting until you get them on the field and actually go compete on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And again, that's such a different mentality because, again, we go to, from the NFL where a draft board starts with 900 or 1,200 kids. And when it comes to draft day, there might be 100 left on it. You know, we're trying yeah. to weed it down to only, to, you know, who who are we going to draft? Who are we going to go after? And if recruiting became that way, I think it would be an easier time for the coaches to really Correct. maintain the relationships and make them quality relationships. I think that's why David Shaw and them at Stanford do it that way because, again, he was a pro guy. He was a pro coach. He saw how the Raiders did it and everything, so he saw sure. how he would do it. Um, whereas other coaches, they're just doing what they've seen at other programs for traditional you know, and it really can be a sniper scope. It really, you know, if you really hone in and you know, you like you said, you know your players, you can see it. You know the mm-hmm. coaching scheme, as Brian and I would teach on Friday Night Scout School all the time. Sure. Know the scheme so we know what's to fit for the coaches and we're putting the right pieces in place for the coaches to be successful. Yes. And then they can trust you to do it, you know, mm-hmm. but there's a trust factor. And in college football, the silos – of recruiting and trusting the recruiters uh, aren't there. And I think sometimes it's because a lot of the recruiters are young men that never really have been doing it. 
I know when Coach Pat Jones offered me a job at University of Alabama, which I was too stupid to take back in 2002, <laughs> uh, it was a high. It was called high school relations officer. Correct. Yeah. And so there was like you had to build relationships with the high school coaches. I was Correct. like, I want to be a scout. I don't want to do that. But coach was like, it's at University of Alabama. And I was like, you know what? I should have heard that and said, yes. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. That's how stupid this guy is. <laughs> but I, I, w- I would tell you, like, don't in college, don't let the don't let the the titles fool you. Like, you know, everybody, everybody gets a director title in college, you know, and I think that um, it's a it's really about your head coach. It's about your head coach and how he wants to do things. And as a, as a director of player personnel, it's about doing things the way your head coach wants them done. Right. And from there, making sure that you understand the hot buttons of every coach in the building, you know what I mean? Cause they all got different hot buttons, you know, some like quickness, some like toughness, some like, Oh, he, I like the way he looked at his picture, you know, like it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a really odd thing. And you got to be able to try to put, put the puzzle together. It's a, it's a, um, college was interesting. I I learned a lot in college. It was very different from the league, but I learned, I learned how to touch beer and, you know, go to toga parties. That's what I knew. Well, you could do, you can do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can do that. I probably should have spent more time doing that, but I really, I really was, it, it was, it was intriguing to me. It was intriguing to me because it was, it was, it was a chance to really learn something different. You know what I mean? Um, the way college moves is very, very different. And um, I, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. You know, I got a chance to create my own system. I got a chance to, you know, see it work. I got a chance to see, I got a chance to bump my head sometimes and, you know, fail, fail some, which, you know, doesn't feel good, but you can, you can learn from it. You can build on it. You know, gosh, man, I, the experience I had in college was, it, it, it was, it, it was very, very beneficial to my, my overall development. Now I don't know what's next, but you know, um, my I, I think I developed further in college. I think it helped me. I don't know if I would have learned as much just you know being a a, a, a scout or area scout or pro scout or whatever. You know, I mean, obviously you advance with how the game advances, um, but I think I got to learn some some different things and got a chance to flex some different muscles. You know, it was it was but definitely don't, different. Don't start flexing on us. Don't start blacking. Yeah, I, I'm. I, hey, man. Hey, whoo. Hey, man. College was work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So on the you. way, on the way out. What's the advice you give these young men and women that, with the portal and the roster um, limitations and things, what's the one takeaway that they, the parents, should be taking tonight to be able to take advantage moving forward from Kirkland's corner? You know, it's it's very very simple. What Coach Edison say? What's your plan for the for my kid? Okay. The other thing I would say is, don't pick your school according to the coach. Pick the school according to 
other factors. And to me, the most important factor is the education that you're getting. Right now, obviously, football comes into the comes into the equation. But if you get a sky, okay, I'm from Decatur. I'm from Decatur, Georgia. All right, like you know, good spot. I, I, I had a good upbringing and all of that kind of stuff. But Duke University was not in my. It wasn't on my radar. I got a chance to go to Duke University. I got a chance to get one of the top educations in the country. Now, I would have done myself a real disservice if I had gone to Duke and not gotten my degree. That that would have been a real disservice. So what I would tell these kids, you got to go for something bigger than tackle football. Your decision has to be about your long-term future, not your short-term future. Now, some guys are going to have a chance to go to the league, and that's great. that's, That's wonderful. But, you know, Don't make your decision based on just football and just the coach. There has to be more to it than that. You've got to think about your future and what you're going to do long term. Uh Figure that part out. Like take some time, invest in it and figure out what you want to do long term and what you really want to get out of this. So that to me, it's very, very simple. See where they are. And then the last thing. Can I commit to this offer? You're offering me, but can I commit right now? Can I commit? What happens in two weeks? If if I decide I want to wait two weeks, can I still commit? Like those, those are pertinent questions because again, 400 offers for 25 spots. You know, if a hundred, if a hundred kids get a wild hair, and they decide they want to commit. Somebody ain't gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, the lifeboat <laughs> lifeboats are gonna look like the Titanic. <laughs> exactly. So, so you know, it's very, very simple. Your your decision has to be more than just football. It just it has to be. Period. And then figure out how serious they are. Yeah, no, I th- I think it's a great message, James. Because I, I mean, I remember it was a few years ago. I was I was listening to a. Notre Dame podcast where they were covering recruiting and they said, you know, that the kid was a take offer. And I was like, what the heck does that mean that a guy's a take offer? And then you, you don't yeah. hear that stuff. You know, you just hear, wow, 24 seven sports. Look at all these offers these kids have. Like you're kind of saying, and then right. how many of them matter, how many of them are legitimate offers. So I think that's a yeah. great message kind of end this first edition of Kirkland Corner. I, David put in the script, he even put a K on corner. I was like, David, you know, elimination, <laughs> you don't have to put the K for the scene. It works either way. It's still makes the same sound, but you James, know what? I it. like it. I like it. Uh, okay, he likes it. Trademark. Okay. <laughs> I told you it's gonna be the KK, baby. I like it. It's I the like Kirkland it a Corner lot. with the K coming with the heat, baby. We start with Crackle Barrel. We ended with recruiting. We're telling hey. you what you need to know. That's the way it goes. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. KK. I like it. We can't All wait right. to have you back Let's on, James, and, and have another Kirkland's Corner. Obviously, we love you. And you know, anytime okay, you want on, I appreciate you stay on I appreciate you. Y'all be easy. All right, James. Talk to you soon. Yep, later on.
Matt, nobody is, everybody's on your side tonight, David. The K in quarter doesn't make any sense. It makes the same sound. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I had to put the double K out there for him. I had to put the double K. I had to give him the KK, K squared. You're going, you're going for alliteration. Kirkland's corner. C yeah. and the K, it makes the same sound in this instance. It's just cooler when it's K. It's just cool. Uh, okay. It's cool. You got to be one of the cool kids. Well, I will say we got a lot of great information. I could have spent two hours just on the transfer portal. I, I wanted to ask him just about because, like, I was thinking that if a coach is on the hot seat, right, quote unquote, right, a college coach, maybe he is in a make or break season, it becomes almost like free agency at that point. Like, why would you not take all that instant coffee, all those quick fixes if your job is on the line? But then roster management wise, Moving forward, if you did that and you sacrifice it and you're still not the coach down the line because it still didn't work out, then you put your roster in a bad situation for the next coaching staff that's coming in. A lot of oh, a lot of a lot of angles that you could take. He just texted me. He said, Okay, Ryan, next coach's corner transfer portal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we need to talk about it, the man. Next there's coach's so corner, he said, We're doing transfer. Oh, so many layers, man. It drives me. It honestly gives me a headache because I'm just thinking about all these like these scenarios, and it's just like, and at what? How can we regulate this? Is it ever going to go back to a normalized system, or at least a doable system? Like, oh man, there's only a, there's a hundred kids in the transfer portal, not fifteen hundred. Yeah, you know, it's there. it's it's a sad statement that so many kids. I don't know if it goes back. I know we're running a little over time, but I just want to hit this point. I don't know if it ever goes back because of what Coach Edson said, the selfie generation and the, you know, every everything is about me and the individual and not the team. Um, and when you make it like James said, can you commit to what you're committing? That's why I love the theme of this whole show where we had Coach Edson on and then James on talking about commitments and recruiting and the transfer portal and everything. Because if these kids don't feel like um they're in the right situation. They do have an avenue to get out now, which is great. It's just like when the NFL didn't have, you know, free agency. And then now free agency is one of the biggest days of the year to help fix your team and fix the wrongs and dra drafting and everything. But so many kids get misled and their ego gets involved and they don't know what they don't know. And that's why I love doing shows like this to hopefully get parents and kids the information they need to know when when making these decisions and obviously it's part of our our uh, makeup at maverick sports is to you know help people make decisions like this should they transfer should they not you know what if they are going to transfer what systems should they transfer to to maximize the next one you know and like you and i talked about earlier in a podcast this year we saw like what 12 1500 kids transfer i don't I mean, even it's know still like 1500 in the portal right now like it's crazy that's, still that's what i'm saying they're still in the portal they yep. don't have a home what are they gonna do are they gonna go to junior college for a year are they gonna sit out and then next year they have more people i mean it's just becoming where we're not protecting our kids from the poor yeah. decision making that they're that they're 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 they're, they're young adults and they don't realize the, what they're doing. Yeah. And la last quick note I'll throw out there is um, I was at a, a scouting meeting for the College Gridiron Showcase. And they we had a couple guys that specialize in the transfer portal side of everything. So it, this was like last month. That month, the, it averaged, I think it was like 29 kids a day were entering the transfer portal. And the previous day was 95. In one single day... 95 kids entered the transfer portal. 
Just put that into perspective. Think about that for a second and think about it adding to this number. We're going to end there because we're going over time like we always do. But we appreciate everybody that stayed in the chat. We'll get to um, story time with Uncle Dave next episode. Episode 45 will be next week. We appreciate everybody again for taking the time. If you could throw us a, a uh, retweet, a like, a share, a uh, Apple podcast. If you want to go and you want to give us a review, we would appreciate it. Five stars. Tell them that, you know, David Turner's cool and all. Ryan Roberts is awesome. The Kirkland's Corner with a C is a fantastic new addition to the show. Double Throw K. it in there. We appreciate everybody. We'll be back. Same time, same place next week. We appreciate you all. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit mavericksportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.